Hello there, Jason. Why greetings, Tyler? I hope that wasn't too slurpy in the microphone. Yeah, it was lovely. Are you eating? Are you drinking out of a uh, late night with Jimmy Fallon? No, uh, I don't know. Okay, if the quick and the dead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't yes. know if I've referenced this race before on the pod, but I, I survived it once and was given a coffee cup for my efforts, and so I drink from this coffee cup more than any nice. other in the, the quick and the dead race. Yeah, it was a race. Yeah, yeah. It was a nice. gravel bike race. Uh, uh, the podium is a coffin, and the tagline oh. for the race is, will you be on the podium or in it? Or in it. Ah, well, well. Yeah. Well, I am under-caffeinated today, so oh. that's exciting. It's I'll always good up, for, a, for a podcast. I'll make up for both of us, you know? Uh, at, we we have a different – here's a different approach to today. Yes. I bought at the, at the Half Price Bookstore. I got a, huh. a, a box of questions – and these questions have premises to them. So in order to answer this question, and I have not prepped Jay with this, and I've also randomly chosen a question, so I may even have to select a different question if this one's lousy. Uh, yeah. But here's the idea. I'm going to give you a hypothetical person that you have to think of. Mm-hmm. Now, you kind of come up with the person, but and then the then I will ask you a question based on that person. Okay. 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 So it'll make sense in the thing. So I want you to try to, and you listeners at home, you can also do this. Try Play to along. remember the Try to remember the first person that you had a conversation with today. The conversation must include a minimum of one complete sentence from each party. If you live with this person, they are not eligible. Oh, okay. Okay, so that's the person you're thinking of. Okay. Okay. Got it. Here, here is the situation. You awake in a hospital bed. Your head is pounding and covered with bandages. You can't remember anything that has happened since yesterday evening although your long-term memory is fine. The doctor explains that you've suffered a serious concussion, but no permanent damage. You ask what happened. The doctor says you got into an argument with the imagined person, and that argument escalated into a physical altercation. You lost the fight. Yeah. You don't know what happened, but what do you assume caused the fight? Hmm. I, uh, so I had a conversation with Sarah and the boys today. I'm trying to make sure that this is the right person. Uh, cause I think the, the person in question, you don't have to tell me who the person is. Yeah. Okay. You don't, you don't have to reveal the person. It, 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 it is a member of our church, uh, and, and a long talker at that. So when you were like a minimum of a one complete sentence, I was like, oh yeah, not a problem. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I assume Here's the thought. This is a little bit of pastor complaining slipped into the answer. Uh, oh, nice. That's that's good, though. Yeah. What I want the answer to be is that I preach something so offensive that she took a baseball bat to my head and, and knocked me out. Mm. But here's what I've learned mm-hmm. this week. I preached a what I felt was a lights-out sermon on Sunday, and everybody mm-hmm. complained about absolutely everything else around it, like dumb trivial stupid and this is church life like this is not uncommon for anybody in ministry you don't spend time fighting about so final answer is i assume i had the candles in the wrong place in the sanctuary (laughs) and that's at least what started thing worst thing you could do as a pastor yeah i I think put anything in the wrong place it i assume that's what started the argument it it probably escalated from there like i don't think that's worthy of baseball bats to the head but that's my assumption yeah, I like it. What uh, in a in a sentence or two? What was uh, what was the the main point of your sermon? Uh, 
Your lights out sermon. So I was talking about uh, the. It was the line at the end I really fell in love with. We were reading from Hebrews uh, for those lectionary preachers. I, I skipped the gospel this week, uh, and it was talking mm-hmm. about Christ sa- Christ sacrifice on our behalf being once and for all. Uh, and mm-hmm. so I said, when you think about that in your relationship with God, if Christ actually stands in the place of sin as the barrier between us and God, then all that's left is love. And I just kept repeating that line over and over again. Like, if you're judging yourself, if you don't know where you stand with God, all that's left is love. All that's left is love. Mm. And again, it was just one of those, like, it was delivered well. It was really solidly mm. laid in. And then we're complaining about the flower arrangements and the and the light settings and the, yeah. All that's left is love. And these stupid flowers in the wrong yeah. place. Yeah, apparently I was wrong. Yeah. Love is not all that's left. Yeah. There's quite a bit of other things left. Yeah. Well, it's like that Beatles song says, love is all you need as long as the flowers are in the right place. Right. It's the parenthetical part of that. Right. <laughs> the title of that song. Right. Right. Uh, I would answer the same question, uh, but I don't, um, I don't know. I, I haven't really talked to anybody today. Also, it's me. I, uh, yeah, it's you. Uh, no, yeah. I, I did. I did have a Zoom call meeting today okay. uh, with some other pastors. So I guess it would be in that case. Um, Depending on who the pastors are, this could get really interesting really fast. Yeah, that's true. I don't know who it would have been to have gotten... I think given all of these... I mean, it has to be an argument that escalated into a physical altercation. I can't really imagine any of these pastors leading to physical altercation. Um... uh, I don't know. I'm sure it had to do with something about how I don't think life coaching is a real valid thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. That's, that's I'll put it at that. I yeah. I uh, I I don't can't remember if I've said this on a podcast. I'm sure I have. But, I think uh, you have many times. Uh, I've, I've, I'm I, I know I've said it in in private conversation. I feel like life coaching can be a wonderful thing. Shout outs to all the life coaches out there. <laughs> Keep doing fighting yours the good truly fight. included. Keep uh, going. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that being said, I think life coaching is often the, the realm of uh, those who can't do. They say those who can't do teach, and I think those who can't do anything are life coaches <laughs> <laughs> uh, because because it requires zero qualification. It is uh, you you take some certification that's put on by a life coaching organization. It's like becoming an an ordained minister at the like online gospel lights seminary to say that you can marry your cousin. Uh, I think life coaching is great. I think it can do great things. I think it's, uh, I think counselors are, are more equipped to do some of those things. And I know, I know a lot of life coaches who, who seem to have done it as a fault because they had no other choice. And this was the easiest option. Now this is interesting. And I've had some bad experiences with some bad life coaches. So let's say that. This is interesting because you, we've had this conversation many times. And to my mm-hmm. knowledge, this is the first time that life coaching has specifically got in. Because I think you're right. I am not a life coach. I'm a youth ministry coach, which it, yeah. in essence is a fancier way to say mentor for hire. Um, yeah. Yep. Which, incidentally, no one's hired me yet. But still. Um, so is that, is yeah, that another coaching? Way I often ca- char- well, another way I often characterize it in terms of ministry is minister for hire. Or pastor for hire. It seems because a lot of times, a lot of the coaches that I know are people who used to be in ministry, uh, in full time ministry, and then went the life coaching route 
and do pastoral duties, kind of pastoral counseling type things and mentorship, but do it for a fee because they are no longer serving the congregation. So it's it's me. It's I'm I'm throwing I'm throwing rocks at outside of my glass windows. Like it's not, this is. I'm, there's there's nothing to be gained from Tyler being so critical of it. It's just a thing I can't get over. It's just I again, also not like Tyler the... Swift. Like eventually I'll come around. I I am fine with things. I'm sure life coaching is great. One day I'll probably be a life coach. I can't I wait. Can't do ministry anywhere. Can't wait. Yeah. No, this is just back to the theme of two grumpy old white men complaining about stuff. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely the reason why somebody beat me up because I, <laughs> I talked too too openly and critically, and I'm sure it's probably going to happen in real life. So that's that that is uh, that's what happened. Uh, that's why I got beat up. And why but I, I appreciate that you and I played along with this because both of us, I think, uh, th- th- just put a dime in the Enneagram bucket every time we bring it up. As nines, I can't imagine either of us would ever let an argument come to blows. I know I no. would. Like I I would. Nope. I would cave pretty quickly into an argument that was headed in that direction. Just I know for a fact that I wouldn't I wouldn't swing swing back. If I, I've been punched no. in the face before. Yeah, and I think I mentioned that before and it's like, yeah, I'm sure that's not a surprise to most people that Tyler's been punched in the face just once. Uh, and I didn't uh, didn't fight back yeah. because uh, I still think fighting's stupid even when I got punched in the face. I didn't. No, I didn't turn the other cheek Jesus style. I just kind of stood there like, what? And then the person <laughs> yelled at me and ran away. Like, like all right, okay, that was weird, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I can't imagine ever being mad enough to hit somebody, even if they hit me first. No, I, uh, and it's more a sign of Tyler being a coward than Tyler being a peaceful, tough person. But I'm also peaceful. I I would I would, as I know for a fact, after coming off this weekend, I would, in my mind, say everything I just said to this audience, and then I would say to the person in question. You're right. The flowers are in the wrong place. I apologize. And uh-huh. just own it and move on, right? Nice, nice, nice. Well, with all that said, I'm Tyler. And I'm a wuss. <laughs> and I'm Jay. Oh, and, and this is Rubbing the Bastard. West Wing episode that has not happened yet. This is probably the one that has been teased the longest. Yes. Which is Ted Lasso. And I want to so go on I, record. I want to say yeah. what I sent to you, I think, two episodes in. Yeah. Because uh, we have been saying for a long time that I need to watch Ted Lasso. Every second of my life that Ted Lasso exists that I didn't watch it was a crime against humanity. Fair enough. It's Fair such enough. a good show. Such really a good is. show. I. Now, to be fair, I also did not watch Ted Lasso for the first, I mean, it was probably seven or eight months until after it came out that I watched it. I watched it after the first season was fully out, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, but but a good while, probably six months before the second season came out. So maybe it was just like three to four months. That, uh, who cares? Um, I didn't watch it because the ads made it seem like, I get it. Like, this yeah. is, it's just going to be Major League where 
an idiot is brought in to make the team tank and then and it's going to be and like in the you also get is like haha an american doesn't know anything about soccer like um but yeah, all there, of that is basically dispensed of in the first 10 minutes of the first episode like there were a lot of really ways good. they could have done it poorly you know mm-hmm. and they they very much did not do any of those so before we get too far into it we will uh We'll, there's going to be spoilers in this. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say light spoilers, but we're just going to straight up talk about Ted Lasso. So I highly recommend uh, watch all. If you, uh, I would say that knowing what happens doesn't spoil the show. Correct. So if you haven't watched it yet and you're like, I don't know if I'm going to get to watch it, but I really want to listen to this episode. One, thank you. But also, <laughs> two, uh, go ahead and listen to this. It's not we, spo- knowing what happens in this show doesn't ruin the show Correct. by any means. Uh, it is not a show that is suspenseful in that way. Now, it is there are things that happen. You're like, oh no, yeah. Uh, like so, there is drama in the show, but that's not what the show is based on. Uh, so we're gonna kind of spoil all throughout of the first two seasons of Ted Lasso. Um, when they uh, agreed to do a season two, they also agreed to do a season three, and they agreed that they would do season two and three as long as they could end it after season three. Yep. So. Everyone signed on through season three, and they they said that they can give they can they have a story to tell that it will take three seasons to tell. So that's always really refreshing when the the makers of a show have a vision for it and they they know where they're going, uh, and that's, you can tell that. So that's, that's really nice. This is uh, Bill Lawrence who also did Scrubs, mm-hmm. and Scrubs suffered from we don't know how everything to end it syndrome. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, like. First couple Scrubs seasons. is a great show that's also the worst show. Like it's it's every it's both of those things. Yeah. But especially it's, as it drags Zach Braff on in a in a nutshell. Yeah. Those it's, great things that are also super annoying. Especially as it drags on, you're just like, "Oh, end it, would you please?" Like yeah. just let and it And then go. they had a great ending and then they're like, "Oh, another season? Okay." Yeah. Uh yeah. Don't do the, that. The, uh, the best series finale for Scrubs is like the end of season 8, and I think there's there's at least 9. Uh, at least, of yeah. Scrubs. I lost Maybe track 11. after a while. Yeah, who yeah. cares? Uh, so, uh, just a, a brief. Uh, we have and to to add some focus to it. We have each made our top five favorite moments. Yes. Uh, from Ted Lasso. Uh, d- before we get into that uh, a little bit, yes, it is Bill Lawrence who did um, uh, everyone's favorite Cougar Town. Mm, yeah. And uh, and uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, what was the other one that he did? The high school show, the high school cartoon show. On uh, uh, Clone High, Clone High on MTV. Everybody remembers that, right? Sure. Show. Totally uh, remember that. Uh, so Bill Lawrence, uh, really good at making TV, but also uh, can make some mistakes. So I was like excited, but like because yeah. I because Scrubs is as I love Scrubs. Uh, I also do not like Scrubs um, because it it does a, it. I've described Scrubs before, uh, probably on this podcast, as like uh, imagine you're at a lunch table in high school and you say a joke that's really funny but nobody hears it except for the guy beside you and he says it very loud and the entire lunchroom laughs yep that's scrubs yep scrubs does not come up with its own jokes it tells jokes that you maybe haven't heard before in a louder way and then takes credit for them yeah. uh and that's fine and Go it also it, scrubs it, that's okay I, I started to rewatch it a little while ago and scrubs did not age well like scrubs nope. fit that season of life and then yeah. that it just doesn't there's a lot of beautiful it. things in it. I think Dr. Cox is actually a very unappealing character. I know I'm kind of in the minority for that, but I think he is really mean and not someone who should be uh, elevated. Uh, the show is pretty misogynist uh, yeah. in a in a pretty bold way. And it's also from that area where it's pretty homophobic while trying to 
pretend that it's being inclusive, but it's actually just pretty homophobic. Um, and, uh, but there are moments and just like, yeah, it's very sitcom-y. It's very, it has a lot of friends in it, which is actually friends is not a show that like relation wise, the characters are pretty pretentious and gross. Um, but, uh, but there are moments that are, that are truly wonderful. The whole Brendan Fraser, uh, uh, plot line is just great. Really, really great. It's, it's a melodramatic show. Yep. Uh, in the best kind of high school way. It's a great show for high school um, or or early college. Like, yep. But then you watch it now and you're like, wow. I, uh, it's like listening to Dashboard Confessional. Like you could see like this was really great. But then you watch it you're like, wow, he does complain a lot. Just kind of get yeah. over it, man. Like <laughs> you'll be all Move right. Move on, man. Move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is – and the same with Garden State. If you watch Garden State, it's the it scrubs the movie. Yeah. Whereas like there's a lot about Garden State, which is like fantastic. And then a lot about Garden State is like, oh, just grow up. It's not that big of a deal. Just yeah. like figure it out, man. Uh, so but that's anyway, what we think about scrubs. Bill Lawrence <laughs> found the runway with a lovely little show called Ted Bill Lasso. J- Jason Sudeikis had done this thing. He did an ad for um, – I think it was for ESPN. So he created this character with uh, Coach Beard, who I can't remember what his name is. I but can't like the two of them had, they were they were friends from an improv group in Kansas City, um, had grown up, and or maybe in Chicago because uh, I know he went to Chicago for for improv stuff too. Um, but they were old friends, and they had done this commercial I, again. I think it was for ESPN or for NBC for some sports for for a football thing, and it was really just a series of I think two commercials that were each like two or three minutes long, which he created this character of Ted Lasso, who much like this, like was an American football coach who went to coach a soccer team. And I think it was maybe, maybe it was during NBC's coverage of the world cup. Let's say that that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, but it was, uh, it was making fun of how Americans have no idea how soccer works. Uh, and, uh, he was a little bit more gruff, uh, but it was effectively the same character, a little less optimistic, a little more football coachy. Uh, but then uh, was approached by, I think by Bill Lawrence or he approached Bill Lawrence. Like it, it was approached by someone to make it into a show. And then Bill Lawrence got in, involved in it. And Bill Lawrence is able to kind of bring some heart to stuff. Yeah. And uh, so then they made the show and it was, and Sudeikis writes uh, uh, like it is, has a, a major writing role in almost every episode and, and is one of basically the showrunners with Bill Lawrence. And, uh, they, I think what the show does really well is it everything, uh, which is what some a show like Scrubs doesn't quite do well, is that everybody is nice. It's yeah. a show about people being nice to each other, which is really refreshing. But everybody is nice in a believable way that just is right on the threshold of being unbelievable. Yeah. Like in every scenario, everybody does the right thing. Uh, and when they do the wrong thing, then they are forgiven and welcome back in in the right way. And so it is what would happen if everyone just happened to be nice. Yeah. Um, so it's not unbelievable. It's just improbable, uh, but not in a way that feels overly sitcom-y, I think. And I think that that was what – when I looked at it, it was like, like a feel-good thing. But it never, to me, gets too syrupy sweet or overwhelming. Like it, But it almost always does. Like it, it's really – it walks that fine line and never really crosses it, and that's what's really, uh, really refreshing about Sarah it. Sarah and I were talking about, especially uh, she watched with me, um, at least after I, I was like one and a half seasons deep and had to kind of stop and wait for her to catch up with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we talked about like 
I think the balancing act, because it is obviously like kindness is at the forefront. Like I think even like the ads are like kindness makes a comeback or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's counterbalanced with accountability. Like that's a word that they use a lot in one particular episode, but they keep coming back to it. Like when you screw up, just say so and yeah. apologize and like make it right. Like there's a lot of things. I noticed there are a lot of plot points that in any other show they would have like dragged out as like some big secret forever and mm-hmm. ever and ever. And in this show, they're just like, hey, I did that and I'm sorry. Yeah. And it's like, like oh. the whole major league plot. So it, it felt again, the plot of major league is that. Uh, there's an owner who owns the Cleveland Indians. Uh, it's a it's a woman whose husband died, and she doesn't care about the team. She just wants to destroy it so she can move to Florida. And if the attendance is low enough for the season, then they will move to Florida. And so she intentionally hires people that are going to be terrible to make the team tank. Very similar setup here where a, a woman is divorced from her much older husband who's rich, who was cheating on her, and she wants to tank the team to, to make him feel bad because it's the one thing that he loves. And so she intentionally hires uh, this guy who knows nothing about soccer so that he will make the team lose. And then they will get relegated and and then she will get her revenge. And that seems like that would be, she would be the villain of an entire series. Yep. And she's the villain for exactly half an episode. Yep. Uh, until, until he is too nice. And then she starts to be like, and it's so, there. it gets to a point where there really is kind of no villain in the show. Except for her ex-husband who keeps popping up. But he's not a, a prominent enough presence that there really is no villain for the bulk of the show, which is really kind of refreshing. Oh, boy. Spoilers. Spoilers plenty. I can't wait oh, to see how oh, oh, he okay. so, plays so let's, out next uh, year. Let's, uh, let's get to our list. Any other intro? Sorry, I kind of hogged the intro on that. Any other overall thoughts about Ted Lasso before we dig into our top five? No, I think everybody should watch it. Like it, okay. But all the caveats of there's some language, there's some adult content, blah 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 blah. But it is truly the most heartwarming show I've come across in yeah. a while. Uh, it's good. Oh yeah, this is a PG rated show with R rated language. Yes, like it's, it's lots of swearing, very British in that sense. But like every everything is sweet. There's nothing that's inappropriate in it, uh, and even the language is not hateful. It's just a lot of just yeah, ran, random f words and stuff. So. Uh, yeah. Which brings me to my number five, if you're ready. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Number five, when Roy Kent realizes what Ted is doing with a wrinkle in time. Uh, so, <laughs> so Roy is, Kent, to set the yeah. sa- stage a little bit, is the captain of the team in the first season. And he's this just classically British, gruff, angry guy. Like, the first episode or two. He he's just speaks like a in, brute. Every soccer team uh, has a brute who's yeah. just a, a bruiser who will just knock people over, and that's who he is. He just everything he says is a grunt, like it's. Uh, um, but Ted gives the whole team uh, books to read, and Ted gives Roy a wrinkle in time, like trying, YA YA books to read. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, Roy gets a wrinkle in time, and uh, it's all about trying to coax him into taking ownership of the team and being the leader that he needs to be. Uh, so there's this incredibly sweet scene where he is in bed with his uh, niece and he's reading the book out loud and he gets to a line. He's not in bed with his niece. He is well, reading to his niece. He's reading to bed. his niece in her. Yeah, right. Gotcha. Thank you for making that weird. Uh, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. And and he comes across a line of something like, we needed to make, she needed to step up and do it. And he just lets loose this incredible F-bomb. <laughs> the amount of times he swears in front of his niece, who's like five years old. Yeah. <laughs> so, great. so good. But that, 
that line, that whole storyline right off the top was one of my favorite. First of all, Roy Kent. I, I don't want to over enneagram this, but as a nine who goes to eight frequently, anytime the humor is the angry humor, that's my jam. Roy Kent's my man. I love him so much in this show. Uh, so let me tell you real quick about Roy Kent. Roy Kent is a guy named Brett Goldstein. He's got a podcast called uh, Films to Die to Be Buried With. Mm. Uh, he's fantastic. He is the most British guy, and his so his Roy Kent voice is like. I'm Roy Kent. And then his real voice is like, hello, I'm Brett Goldstein. Like, it's very <laughs> soft-spoken. He is – and he makes a point. Like, they all kind of joke about the fact he's not good at soccer. So every time you see him doing any – like, he can run, uh, but that's it. And so anytime there's any soccer stuff, you either never see Roy do anything with the ball or it's very far away because it's not this actor. So he is a stand-up, and he was a writer on the show mm. when they were getting everything ready. And they were writing for Roy – and as they were uh, talking about Roy more and more, he was like, you know what? I think I can do Like to himself, he's like, I think I'm, I understand this character. I think I'm Roy Kent. Yeah. And so once they had finally done the initial, like writing the, what they call the Bible of the show, which is basically the, the kind of character book and the overall arc of everything. Um, he texted all of his, all the other writers and he texted them a video, basically an audition video, like unprompted unasked for. And he just said, Hey, I think I'm Roy Kent, and if you agree, let me know. If you disagree, don't ever tell me anything about this. We'll just pretend like I never said this. And uh, everybody was amazed because he is the exact opposite of Roy Kent uh, <laughs> in terms of his personality. Like he's super nice. He is super like let's not fight kind of like, and he's very smiley. He's very friendly. Um, but uh, everybody's like, yeah, you're exactly Roy Kent. And mm. so, yeah, he's a writer on the show, one of the producers of the show, and uh, became that just because he realized he understood the character really well. Yeah. He 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 may make another appearance or two on this list, just, again, one of my yeah, favorite oh, characters. Certainly. And uh, what's what <laughs> I think even Ted says about him, like, he uses swear words the way Picasso uses yellow. Like, it's just <laughs> he's good at it. It's It's right on the money. Right on the money. Okay, well, then I'll go to my number five, which is a very specific line, but it speaks to, to kind of in general. This show has the best one-liners. Probably the least oh. believable thing about the show is how well-constructed the one-liners are and how everybody knows the references. Like, Ted is an impossible person who knows about classic rock and Beatles references and also the most up-to-date, like, hip-hop references yep. and stuff like that. So he's like, he is ba he's Jason Sudeikis. I mean, he's, he knows everything about but he is, like, very cool for being a really lame guy. Um we're very lame for being a really cool guy. So this specific line. So there is a newspaper in Britain called The Sun. Mm -hmm. And it's like a tabloid. Everything in, in Britain is a tabloid. And so these pictures are taken uh, of uh, Ted Lasso and this this woman, uh, Keely Jones, who is the – is Keely Jones? Jones? I don't know if right? I know Keely. her last name. Keely. She's yeah. the girlfriend of one of the soccer players. Um, and so th it is, he is set up to have a picture that taken of the two of them, which makes it look like they're in a tryst to try to like get them wrong. And it turns out that it was Rebecca, who's the owner of the thing who had it done. So anyway, uh, Ted goes to Rebecca and says like, Hey, I found this out. Can you do something about it to stop it? And she's then put in a really tricky position where she has to not admit that she's the one that did it. And they didn't run this, the thing because Ted's just such a nice guy and they didn't want to hurt him. Uh, so he goes into it. And again, remember the, the, the newspaper is called the sun. He goes into her office in the morning and, uh, she says, so Ted, I talked to the owner of the sun today and he goes, you talked to God. <laughs> and, 
<laughs> which is such a great line. And uh, that there are so many like I just love that line. I thought I laughed so much every time I've watched the show twice now through. Um, there are so many references, like really quick references that are that they don't care if you know it. Like yep. they really want you to be clever enough to get it. Like they reference Nando's Peri Peri sauce, which is a very specific hot sauce that you can only get in the East Coast or in Britain or like around the world. It's not really everywhere. It's a South African uh, like restaurant. Uh, very, very good. Uh, there's one point where they make a reference to Prince that is so subtle. It's in the second season. Uh, and they don't say they, they say something about like doves crying or something like that. That's subtle enough that you're like, I think they're talking about Prince. And then he and they're having a drink and he says, you know, R.I.P. Mr. Nelson. And that's all, and and you have to know that Prince's actual name is Prince Rogers Nelson. Like yep. that, that. And it's again, it's not slowing down for you. And it's just so quick that you just don't you either it either you don't know what they're talking about. And you're just like, OK, Ted's just talking or you get it. and You're like, what? Yep. Uh, so there's so many lines like that. And there's so many clever things that he says uh, that are really endearing and engaging. And it's fun that half the time people don't know what he's talking about, which is really funny. And uh, like, so it's not like one of these shows where every character is super clever. Like a lot of the, he is the one who's constantly making these references that beard gets all yep. of the time. So coach beard is his assistant coach. Who's also American. So these two Americans have, have come. I don't think we explained that these two Americans are brought into uh, American football uh, coaches are brought in to coach the soccer team of UFC Richmond and uh, beard is like his best friend and their relationship is so great. And like oh. when they're on the flight over uh, he leads in the beard at, like they're uh, in seats on the flight right in front of each other. And he just like beards about to go to sleep. He's like, Hey, how about uh, if you see me in your dream and I see you and you, you're in, you in my dream, let's uh, let's fool around and, and pretend like we don't know each other. <laughs> and just something like that. And, and beard's like, you got it stranger. And yeah. like, <laughs> Beard is Those little things like that. Uh, he's such a there's good character too. There's also one moment after they, they win a game where uh, he, he said something like uh, maybe it's like, cause they're calling him. He's they're calling him a name. Uh, and that used to be offensive. And now they're saying it happy. And he's like, maybe it's like the eighties when, uh, when bad meant good. And beard just goes, who was the president back then? And, and Lassa is like, uh, Ronald Reagan. And beard just goes, Ronald Reagan. The actor, like, and he's doing a line from uh from Back to the Future. He's like, "Oh, I love your Doc Brown." Like, just they use all these phrases that aren't just about being clever. It's about uh, ways in which people who are old friends would actually engage with each other. Yeah. And so it it not only is clever to watch, but it's fun to watch people who love each other. And it really works, especially between Beard and uh, and Lasso, because those two actors really are genuine friends who've known yeah. each other for decades, and and you can see it in their rapport, which is really fun. So my number five is is specifically that line. Uh, you talk to God, but but generally all of the kind of clever one-liners and things like yeah. that. Well, in that vein, uh, for the characters and the friends that care for each other, my number four is uh, in the first season we meet uh, Rebecca's friend Sassy, mm-hmm. uh, and and the line when uh, Rebecca st- they're all out to dinner. Keely, Sassy, and Rebecca are all out to dinner, and Keely's just getting to know Rebecca. And Sassy's known her for forever, uh, and they're sitting around talking about her. And Sassy just stops in the middle of the conversation and goes, "That's not Rebecca." And it's this moment of like, the person that you are dealing with now is so broken and fragile and not who she wants to be. And I think that's really when Rebecca stops being the villain, because it, it's pointing to like, no, there's a real person under there. You just haven't seen her yet. Mm. Uh, and it's the quiet confidence of a friend that's like, 
she is not behaving like herself. And like, mm-hmm. I don't like this. Mm-hmm. I don't like who this is. And it, you've come to find out that that, that sassy is specifically there to try and draw the old Rebecca back out of her shell, uh, on a particularly difficult, I think it's the anniversary. It's her wedding anniversary mm-hmm. after she's mm-hmm. been divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just, again, like the way the friends look after each other in this show is kind of yeah, sweet they, and endearing. There is real um, real accountability mm-hmm. in the best possible way. of Accountability to oneself and accountability of saying, like, I'm not going to give up on you. Yep. Um, like uh, that. And I might go to my number four because it kind of it coincides with this and we can still talk about sassy in that moment, but yeah, yeah. uh, my number four, uh, brings in another major character, Jamie Tart. Uh huh. And my do, number do, four do, is do, 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 do. Jamie Tart. Uh, Jamie Tart, who is both a terrible character, kind of like a villain, but also a great character. And he has a great accent, like a very specific yeah. region where he's like, Kila, like it's just a, it's a very <laughs> fun accent. Um, and he, that actor, is is in particular really good at soccer. And so you see mm. him using his soccer skills a lot. Um, and he's supposed to be really good, so that's good. But there's a point in season two, Jamie Tart, who, uh, again, spoiling stuff, but it doesn't really spoil stuff. He gets traded to another team at the end of season one. Uh, he... Uh, and and Ted really cares about it. Jamie Tart is like really arrogant and doesn't like really push his back against the stuff. Thinks he's th- better than everybody else. Uh, Ted gets Roy to try to keep him in line, and and they're making good progress. And they're trying to get Jamie like to pass to people and be a good teammate. Um, and then he gets traded again, kind of Rebecca trying to to sabotage the team. So he gets traded to Manchester, and then he uh, they come back. They have to play Manchester in the last uh, game, and Jamie. Uh, in in a great sign of him learning, passes at the last minute so that his teammate can score against Richmond, and Richmond loses and gets relegated, and it's really sad. And then you see afterwards, um, Jamie's father uh, was at the game and is is yelling at Jamie for passing yep. instead of scoring uh, because he's like, "You could have scored, and my son doesn't pass." And and Ted like oversees it, and it's like a really kind of interesting moment. And then he, Ted sends him a letter on the bus that just says. Uh, way to make that pass uh and it's really really sweet but then so the moment that i'm thinking of is that jamie does then come back to the team through other things he's back on richmond in the second season um and there's another point where they are back in manchester and they just get slaughtered like uh richmond loses really bad and uh he had jamie had gotten his father tickets and his father he's got a terrible relationship with his father his father's drunk he's just a mean guy but he's still trying to prove something to his dad and so uh, his dad like pushes his way into the locker room after Richmond has had this terrible loss and just starts like berating Jamie in front of everybody. And as a team, and everybody on the team really doesn't like Jamie. They're really mad that he came back because he was really mean to everybody, but they finally have kind of surrounded him and supported him. And uh, the coach Beard <laughs> grabs the dad and like pushes him out of the room <laughs> and like runs him into the door. It's like, get out of here. And, like everybody starts to protect Jamie. And then... Um, uh, Roy, who hates Jamie, goes over to Jamie and gives him a hug. Yep. And it is the most, uh, like you were saying, it is characters who are holding accountable, but also there's so much redemption and forgiveness and grace in the show that these two characters who hate each other and had come to an understanding where they're like, we could work with each other, but I do not like you. And in that moment that Roy... It is believable. Like the the show has earned that moment up to that yep. point. 
that Roy is the person. Like you would think it'd be Ted and it would make sense that it was Ted because Ted's Mr. Rogers in this scenario, but that Roy is the one who goes over and hugs this man, not as a father per se, but just as a support. And then uh, every, the whole kind of team rallies around him and everything. And it's, it's, it's really good, but there's uh, it's just a beautiful moment of, as you said, characters knowing each other and being willing to say who you are acting like is not who you are. Yep. And uh, in that moment when Jamie was berated for growing, basically, uh, that this team was saying, we're not going to allow this voice to be something in your head anymore. And so we're getting rid of it. We're literally pulling him out of the room for you. And uh, even in our loss, uh, you have found community here, which is yeah. so beautiful. It's so good. And it leads to an episode that I think is going to get its own podcast episode because I did not understand 90% of what was going on in Beard After Hours. Mm-hmm. That episode It's is like that so episode in uh, Stranger Things, episode four of season two, which is just like, what? Like, yeah. <laughs> what he, what, huh? Yeah. What's going on? But that, there's some funny fallout from that scene that plays mm-hmm. out in the next episode. My number three is absolutely any time and every time the Diamond Dogs get together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> So the, the, the main coaching staff is Ted Lasso, Coach Beard, uh, who know each other very well. Somewhere around uh, the end of the first season, Nate, who is this uh, uh, what the equipment it? manager. The, yeah, the kit boy, the kit yeah, boy or yeah. something like that. Uh, he gets promoted to coach uh, by Ted. And a spoiler alert for the end of the second season, I won't co- totally go into it, but I'm still pretty mad at Nate. I'm just getting that off my chest right now. Just yeah. really mad at Nate. But anyway, uh, Nate's a super quiet uh, guy, just like nerdy guy that has a hard like time the sweetest, himself. the sweetest character on the show, basically. Easily, easily. Yeah. And then uh, Higgins is this other like kind of portly. He's so great. He's yeah. so awesome. And he even turns into the at like the end of the second season, like he's the guy of wisdom. Like he, every time he shows up, he's dropping really yeah. neat one-liners on people. The Christmas uh, episode where he invites everybody to his oh! house is just the most beautiful thing. It's so, so good. It's such. It's all about family. That is such a great. Uh, that's such a great. His, his relationship with people. Uh, he's. It does the right thing again. Yeah, these characters always. all do the right thing. Yeah, but anyway, so it's this. These four uh, that always get together. So it's it's the two American coaches who are very out of place, and two quiet, soft-spoken nerds that get together, and they, they only call themselves the Diamond Dogs when they're trying to work out relationship stuff. Relationship uh, stuff. Who did they it, start it with? They started it with. With uh, was it with Beard's relationship or was it with Ted after he slept with Sassy? I think it was Ted. Yeah, yeah. We, I think it was Ted. Everything. Sorry. Yeah, right. We're, that's fine. Just stop if you don't want to listen. But uh, I think it was Ted. I think it was like right after the divorce. Uh, yeah, I think because that starts off where he's he gets off the bus and he hasn't said anything and Beard's like, "You okay?" He's like, "I need to tell you something," uh, and I don't ever want you to ask me about it again. I don't ever want to talk about it again. Uh, I just slept with Rebecca's friend and I feel really weird about it. And Beard's like, you want to talk about it? He's like, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yeah. But then they and keep then coming that's, back. That's when the Diamond Dog starts, yeah. Yeah, they keep coming back and like Roy gets in there every now and again and just has no patience for it. He, it's so great when Roy's in the Diamond Dogs because he does <laughs> not want to be part of it. Not even a little bit. Uh, you cannot, when the Diamond Dogs are together, you are laughing. Like that's mm-hmm. just, that's the end of it. 
And it really is just four guys, or sometimes five if Roy's there, looking out for each other. Yeah. Like, they're not just like, tell us about all the salacious details. They're like, no, here's what you should do. Like, it's it's such good advice. Like, it, it's everybody being their best self. And when they're not their best self, being able to say, hey, I'm sorry, I wasn't my best self. Yeah. And, uh, and then being able to, like, speak truth to each other. It's just so, it's so great. Diamond Dogs is great. I love the... Uh the Higgins being outside of the room and crawling in through the window to be the diamond dogs. And they all like howl when it starts. And yep. the one time they called the diamond dogs. Cause Roy had a question. Uh, he, he starts dating Keely and uh, he had a question about their relationship and, and it's like time for the diamond dog. He's like, what is this? And they're all just start howling. He's like, what's going on here? <laughs> and he didn't want anything to do. It was, it was really great. Not even a little bit. Oh, it's so good though. So my, Number three, uh, I, I had diamond dogs, but I had a, I had a bonus to, to fit in there. Nice. Uh, so uh, my number three is another team moment. Uh, it's when Sam uh, on Agonye. No, that's from uh, The Good Place. That's Chi yeah. on Agonye. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't remember which uh, Sam. Uh, uh, I don't. I can't remember his name. So Sam is. Yeah, almost on you. Sam I is... finally learned. By the way, this is the first episode we're doing anything pop culture related that I have IMDb open. Yeah, on my yeah. Screen, should, just so I can try to keep up. Yeah. We, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Sam is this great uh, young player um, who, especially in the second season, has a has an even more prominent role. But he uh, is from where's he no, from? Uh, Nigeria. He's from Nigeria, and he uh, so he is he's like 19 in the first season, so he's 20 in the second season, and. Uh, he gets a sponsorship um, from a, an airline uh, who is the main sponsor of the team. So in uh, British football, they um, or European football, they they often their jerseys are emblazoned with a main sponsor logo. So they don't have right. their team name on the front. They have like uh, Pirelli tires or something like that as their as their main thing. And uh, it, this was their, I think, is Emirates Airlines or something like that. Dubai uh, Air. Dubai Air. And uh, so he is going to be the face of their ad campaign. He's very excited. He sends the pictures to his dad and his dad's like, I, I'm really disappointed in you. He's like, why? And Sam is super nice. Yeah. And he's like, um, because this is, they're the parent company of this corporation that is actually destroying much of the land in Nigeria. And I just am so sad that you would support that because they're destroying our country. Uh, and that's really sad. And then Sam goes through this, existential crisis of what to do and then he finally says look i um i don't need all of you to do he asks to be he asks rebecca the the owner which again shows the relationship of this he comes in and says i'm really sorry uh but can you not have me be in that ad campaign and um keely who set it up is very understanding rebecca is understanding she's like i know the owner i'll talk to him just to smooth it over and the owner's like that's fine you just have to get rid of sam and they're like, what? And they're like, yeah, we're not going to do that. Um, but uh, Sam, as they're going out to play the next game, looks down at his chest and sees that it says Dubai Air on it. And he's like, well, this is I can't even like wear this on my chest. Like, it makes me sad. And so he gets some black tape and just covers it up. And he says to the team, he says, I need you to know why I'm doing this. Um, because they're, uh, I can't support this company that's destroying my my people uh and i'm not asking you to do anything about it but i and i'm sorry if this offends you but i just need you to know this and there's a couple other nigerians on the team and they also do it and then jamie tart 
do, says, do, 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 do. give me the tape. <laughs> yeah. And this is Jamie after he's come back and nobody wants Jamie on the team. Uh, Jamie is, and he's trying to be a good teammate and he says, give me the tape. And they're like, what? And he's like, well, we're teammates. We're all supposed to have the same Jersey. Yep. And so he blacks his off and then everybody goes out uh, when they go out uh, to play the game, they all have tape over the, over the thing. And I love that as to the point earlier, that could have been a full season arc in any other show. That is a one episode arc yep. in that they, they deal with it and there's repercussions, but they don't talk about the repercussions because suddenly the next time they, d- they just have a different sponsor. It, that was the one part where like, as much as the show is about accountability, I was a little disappointed at how well they didn't or how much they didn't go into the repercussions of that. Yeah. It was I was thinking like, that too. I kind of wanted more, but at the same time, I don't really want to watch that show. Right. Like I, that's not what this show is. And I like that this, it kind of knows like, yeah, we're not that show that's going to go real deep into the politics. We're going to go deep into the personalities of it. And yes, there's other politics that are going on around this decision, but in terms of the interpersonal connections and this, this small community, they did what they did and now things are different. Yeah. And there's probably a lot of other behind the scenes political stuff that went on, but the team goes on. And yeah. so this is, and, and sometimes, especially in that second season, time jumps by like a couple days or a couple months. Like you don't really know. Right. And so maybe this is then two months later and, and everything is smoothed over. And like that, it's very clear that, that Rebecca as the ownership has said, I support my players. We're standing behind it. That the coaches said, I support my players, that there were repercussions, but they're all like, yeah, we're just going to eat it. That's just what it is. And it's, and I, and I, so in retrospect, I do really like that at the time. I was like, boy, that got wrapped up pretty easily. Yeah. But but knowing that the show wasn't really concerned about that and it would have changed what the show was. Uh, I'm glad that that didn't become a major theme in the in the thing. But it did. There was some beauty in that. Again, that sense of community and solidarity uh, yeah. that it wasn't Jamie's uh, issue and he wasn't. Uh, but he uh, allied with um, Sam and the other teammates who were directly affected by this. And then in solidarity, they were able to, able to make this statement and did kind of speak to the kind of the Black Lives Matter movement and the, the kneeling and, and protests in sports without having to be like, you knew what they were talking about. And it didn't yeah. have to be really preachy. And again, that's kind of not what the show is. But the show is the kind of show that can bring that up in a, in a way that doesn't seem like it's toe dipping. Uh, but but just kind of acknowledge that and acknowledge the relationship aspect of that, which was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I had two for number two. That's okay. I got uh, so I'll do the first one real quick because like it's just it's more of the same. But like when Roy walks into the locker room, so at the end of the first season, mm-hmm. Roy is pretty old, uh, and Ted reluctantly has come to the place where he has to bench Roy, mm-hmm. um, and and Ted even like try trying to protect the guy's self esteem is like if you just want to say you're injured, we could do that, and, and and no one will know that I had to bench you. Like it'll just be fine. So it, it that all the more impressive when Roy walks into the locker room the next day to suit up to be benched and like mm-hmm. knows it, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of the same thing. Like he's just he's part of the team. He's sold out to it now. Um, that's a sweet moment. But the other one that's in my number two, which is a little more heavy, um, about halfway through the first season, Ted and his wife uh, split up when his wife had come to visit him in London. Uh, and she leaves and that's kind of like the moment that their marriage ends and it's super sad for Ted and he's, you know, trying to deal with it. And out of literally nowhere on the side of the street, Beard is there with a beer uh, <laughs> and they sit down on the bench together and Beard just hands him a beer. And I don't, I'd, I'd have to watch it again. I don't think they say anything to each other. They just 
sip the beer. And it's kind of kind of back to the Job episode, right? Like a yeah. a friend that knew this was coming, that this was going to be a rough moment and is just waiting to be not a consolation, but like a, a, yeah. a just a presence, you know? I think that uh, they do say something. I think I remember re- thinking the first time I saw it that they didn't say something, but what they say is so inconse- inconsequential that it's, you can't not say anything. Right, but he right, says right. just enough to to basically say we're not going to say anything. Here's a yeah. beer. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, yeah. To that point, uh, I mean, this was a very Tyler's watching this uh, in spring of uh, 2021. Uh, f- not necessarily fresh, but it, in the first six months of uh, being divorced, and so that was it. Hit very hard, and also especially the relationship that the that he has with his wife of just like things just didn't work out, like and trying yeah. to. Managing a, a, a divorce that is more like that than what most divorces are, which is hard for people to understand. They're like, well, really, something else happens. Like, no. Well, and even that, the honesty work. in that, it, you know, like that yeah. I think any other show would have tried to make that so much more drawn out and so much more mm-hmm. painful and so much more, you know, drama-y for, for ratings. But no, it's just not yeah. working out. So we're going to spoil Well, if I hadn't lived something like that, I would be like, ugh. That's that's not how it works. Like right. that, they could have fixed that or something. Like this is just she's so thinly written or something. And yeah, I mean she's kind of not a character, which is which is a shame. Like the, but also she's not a character in the show. So like that's right. she's, they make her about as full as they can for her being in it for like one or two episodes. But um, it definitely it 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 brings up enough that there were issues that they both wished they could solve, but they just couldn't. And that is very sad and bittersweet. And um, it, uh, yeah, it resonated with me on a level that I wish it hadn't. But it was mm. also very therapeutic to kind of see that because it wasn't condemning either of them. Right. And uh, to to have a, another outside source saying that this kind of scenario can happen where things fall apart and it's and it's kind of everybody's fault, but really nobody's fault at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. But the value of friends, it's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being able to be Beard, the relationship between Beard and Ted Lasso is just pretty fantastic. Uh, my number two, speaking of relationships, best relationship in perhaps all of television, Roy and Keeley. Yes. Uh, that is just beautiful. So Roy and Keeley get, to, again, Keeley yeah. had been jamming, dating Jamie, and uh, he's a jerk to her, and he's she's really smart and really engaging, and he's kind of a self-centered idiot, and so they break up pretty early on. And Roy recognizes who she is. And by the end of that season, they end up uh, dating. And then they're just this great couple in the second season. Uh, And really towards the end of the first season, but especially in the second season, where they just are constantly talking to each other and acknowledging the ways in which they they are not – they are supporting each other and allowing each other to be the person that they are. And they they love – uh, even when things don't work out, they love the adjustments. They recognize that there are adjustments they have to make for one another, uh, but that they can be their fullest self with each other. The, the amount of times that they communicate is so great. Uh, there's a really, in the, again, in the Christmas episode, which is just a great episode. It's a good standalone episode, too, because it works as a Christmas one. Oh, where, the end uh, of that Roy, one. Yeah, Roy is having to watch... Uh, uh, where they were going to have Christmas together. And then he shows up with his niece again, Phoebe, who by this point is probably like seven. Uh, and he loves Phoebe and Phoebe's great. And he's always right in front of Phoebe. And she, he owes her like a thousand quid because <laughs> he has to pay her a hundred every time he swears. Uh, <laughs> and, or it was 10 every time he swears, but he owes yeah. her a lot. And, uh, 
So then she comes in and she's being made fun of, and uh, and it's Christmas, so they they can't, it's Christmas Eve, but they have to watch her because the the mother was away and Keely's really or uh, Phoebe's really sad, and so he brings her in and he's like to Keely and he's like, yeah, she's getting made fun of, and she finally admits like I'm getting made fun of because this one kid says I have bad breath, and he's like, let me smell your breath, and uh, she's like, no, I won't. He's like, trust me, I've been in locker rooms, I've smelled terrible stuff. Let me smell your breath, and. Uh, and she blows in his face, and he like almost passes out because it's so bad. And then uh, Keely's like, "It can't be that bad." She blows in Keely's face, and she's like, "Oh, there's something wrong with you." And it turns <laughs> out that uh, she, her antihistamine was giving her bad breath. So, but they end up going from house to house. He's like, "I live in a really posh neighborhood. We're gonna go the, d- knocking on door to door. If we don't get to a dentist in the next in ten houses, I'll give you each a thousand pounds." Uh, and so they go door to door and they finally find a dentist and they get it all fixed up and everything like that. But just the, the ways in which they're communicating with each other through that whole episode, the ways in which they're just really kind, caring people. And it's very, very sweet. And there's several times where, uh, the show could have leaned into the normal tropes of like, Oh no, the trouble in paradise, kind of like Pam and Jim type stuff. Uh, Mm -hmm. and it never does that. Uh, or Ross and Rachel, the worst kind of yeah. like of the like drama for TV sake. Um, and it never does that. And that's pretty great. And uh, although it alludes to that kind of at the end of season two, there's I some know. like trouble. I'm, I'm not thrilled. I'm not thrilled about the way. Well, let me say it this way. There are a lot of mm. things that happen at the end of season two. And the show has built up enough credit with me that my hope is. I'm nervous about it, but I keep coming back to it. I wonder how they're going to redeem that. Yeah. Not like I think it's going, it's going to end poorly, but like, yeah. I feel like there's especially redemption. the big, the big Nate thing. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. But so w- going into that scene, what I, what it's st- the scene starts off like, Oh, they're just going to not have this drama go over. They're just going to clean it all up in the best possible way. Like it sets up a lot of drama of like, so Nate uh, kisses Keely uh, Keely didn't mean it to happen, but she's like, that's a weird thing. Uh, Jamie had told Keely he still loves her. That was a weird thing. That Ke- it wasn't Keely's fault. It was just like kind of happened. And and um, Roy ends up talking to Phoebe's uh, teacher for like three hours. And at one point she says, are you dating anybody? And he, do- he says, no. Or are you married? And he says, right. no. And he never mentions her. And so they show up and Roy immediately, and you're like, oh no, they're, they're pulling apart. And Roy immediately just says, hey, something weird happened today. Yep. I was talking to Phoebe's teacher for like three hours and she asked me if I was married and I said no and I never brought you up and that felt weird and I'm sorry that I did that. And it's like she never would have known about it. Like what a beautiful thing yep. in a relationship to like, Let's nail that. And she's like, also Nate tried to kiss me, or Nate Nate kissed me, and uh, and he's like immediately he's like, <laughs> he oh laughs. yeah, okay, yeah, <laughs> you okay. Yeah. Uh, but then when when she says Jamie said uh, he still loves me, um, that made Roy really upset, understandably. Like, and I did like that they didn't just resolve every. Like, I kind of thought they were going to resolve everything in that scene, and they didn't. Uh, but then there's this tension that goes on and it's a little bit of a cliffhanger going on, but I, I think it'll fix it up. But think, yeah. just the way everything up to, up to and including that point, um, the ways in which they communicate their love for one another, but also their respect for one another and the way that they are really trying to let each person be their best self without being desperate about right. needing attention from the other person is just such a beautiful example of what a relationship should be. Uh, and it's 
I just love Ryan Keeley. I'm a big fan. Oh, it's so good. And I think it, it points back to that accountability piece. And I think it's a it's a better definition of accountability than we've had lately. Like usually people talk about accountability as in like you screwed up so you need to be punished. Mm-hmm. In this show, accountability is saying sorry for what you've screwed up. You know, like I said I didn't say you after I said I wasn't married. Like that was weird. That was on me. Like that's I think what balances out all the good stuff is just being willing to be open like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's good. All right, my number one. It's so easy. It's the layup, but it, it keeps being what I'm talking about. Um, it's it's when Rebecca comes in and confesses everything she's done. Yep. Now, I don't even think it's the last episode of the season. I think it's a it, there's like an episode or two left. Yep. Um, but she, I think Keeley sets her on the right course. Keeley finds out that she was the one that had the weird picture paint planted, mm-hmm. and says either you tell Ted or I will. Um, and Rebecca, the the first part of this scene that's really sweet is Rebecca says, "Well, what's the difference? He'll never know. Like, what w- what difference does it make?" Yeah. And it, and Keely responds, "It will make a difference to me." Yeah. Uh, and that's enough to push Rebecca. She eventually, yeah. like, she hums and haws and like, kind of fights it. Um, Their friendship is great too, because at any uh, given point, people could have been so embarrassed or like, uh, like ashamed of themselves that they would have been just like, "I'm just going to shut Keely out of my life." Uh, but instead she's like, no, I value this friendship and I need to be able, like Keely is making me be my best version of myself. Like it's just, a, it's a show where, where friends hold each other accountable to yep. being the best version of themselves. It's so, uh, it's a fantasy. <laughs> yeah, it really sadly is, <laughs> but yeah. it is beautiful. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a believable fantasy. It's just that everybody does it all the time. Like what a wonderful world this is. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, she, Rebecca calls Ted into her office and she tries and can't get it out. And then eventually gets over it and goes down to his office and just blurts out everything she's done in the last year to try and sabotage mm-hmm. Ted and the team. And Ted just very calmly says, divorce makes people do crazy things. I forgive mm-hmm. you. Yeah. And it was this cool. moment of like, oh, shoot, you're going through what she's going through, too. Yeah. And, and yep. like you understand yep. this. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, again, like any other show would have tried to drag that out and like make more drama out of it. And like, nope, we're good. We're fine here. Yeah. Let's go win. This is, and this is also clearly written by people who've been in some broken relationships that yeah. didn't end uh, because of the classic easy villain kind of situations. Like it's, yeah, this is, um, it, it, it hits home on so many levels. Even if you haven't been through that, like you've been through situations where you're just, the, the circumstances make you not your best self. And to have someone else be able to say like, hey, you did these things and you're accountable for it, but I know that that's not who you are. Right uh, on your be- at your best, so I am going to forgive you because I know that you can be better than that, um, and the, just the level of forgiveness in this show is yeah overwhelming. It's good. Uh, yeah, the other aspect of that that didn't come up. This is my honorable mention is the the shortbread cookies oh. that uh, Ted makes for for Rebecca every day, and I love that every time you see her, she's always eating them because yep. they're so good. And at first, like he brings her these shortbread cookies, he forces his way into having a relationship with her that she does not want to have. But the cookies are so good that she she keeps allowing him to show up and trying to figure out where he gets these cookies from. And then you find out about halfway through the season that he's making them himself. Yep, uh, it's really really sweet. And he continues like even into season two, he does it every day. He I can't. The cookies. I think it's when he uh, he releases Jamie, or she releases Jamie uh, to the mm-hmm. trade. And he gets really mad at her and says, I hope these cookies stink. I know that's not true. They're the best batch yet. And like, he's I really still, nailed the recipe. Yeah. <laughs> he, 
he's still super friendly in like all that rage and anger. Yeah, like, he can't be mad. Oh, uh, so good. Well, one other honorable mention that we didn't mention, but uh, it's very worth mentioning. Uh, there's some really there's there's a lot of male characters in this. It's a very male dominated show, but there's also some really strong female characters in it, mm-hmm. which is really good. And one of the strongest is the Doctor, who is in yes. season two. Uh, and she's she's lovely and like really kind of like sets up to be a foil and I was like oh no here we go here's the tension that wasn't there in the first one and she's great and there's a really great relationship between her and Ted that, that evolves and really kind of coming to terms with your own trauma and like the denial of stuff like that just the pushing back like Ted um, has these anxiety attacks which they actually reference in the first season but they never yep they never capitalize on it like watching it in the first season again you see times that his handshake and they just like it's just a quick shot and then they go away from it but really it was him internalizing all this past trauma that he wasn't dealing with like it, the whole this theme of therapy uh becomes a huge part of the second season which is just beautiful and his yep. his relationship with the doctor and just her what she does for everybody is pretty great uh, but that-, that is not my number one that was almost an honorable mention for me. So when the doctor, if, spoiler alert, the doctor leaves the team and mm-hmm. the doc, Dr. Sharon doesn't like goodbyes. Yeah. So she writes Ted a letter and Ted like loves goodbyes and can't that stand scene, that. That scene oh, is so great. <laughs> when they go to the bar and he finally leaves and just leaves her a note with a beer. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, he eventually came around to understand what she needed in that moment and gave yeah. and that, oh, that was just so good. The other thing too, like right before that, which is actually what I was referring to because us, uh, most shows wouldn't have the guts to do this is that she writes him a letter and he's really mad that she didn't say goodbye to him because he was saying like, you know how much that being abandoned is really a problem for me and you abandoned me. And she's like, I didn't, it's in the letter. And he's like, I'm not going to read your letter. I don't want a letter. I want to say goodbye to your face. And, uh, and he has it with him and she's like, he's like, no, I'm not going to read it. Here you go. And then she won't, she's like, no, you really should read it. He's like, okay, I'll read it right now. And he's really mad. And he opens up the letter and he reads it and you watch him read it and you see him change yep. and be affected and almost like think he's going to start to cry. And then he's like, yeah, it's a really good letter. Uh, and the, and the show never tells you anything that's nope. in the letter. You never get, to you know. just see him read it. You see her watching him and the acting between that, his, his going from angry to understanding and moved and her watching him read it, knowing that I have said this, this beautiful, important thing in this letter that I wasn't, I was kind of embarrassed to have the person see, but I get to watch it like that. It was done so well. And then they go and have a beer like that. that yep. and, and, but the show never tells you what's in the letter. And it's not like a cute, like lost in translation where it's like, what did they say? Like that, where it's really trying to get you to guess at it. Like, no, you don't no, need you don't, to know what it says. You don't need to he, know. Yeah. She said what, what Ted needed to hear and what she needed to say. And that's beautiful. I was worried at first that they were going to be like, I'm in love with you, Ted. That's why I can't talk. It was like, and it didn't do that. I was really, nope. uh, again, a weaker show would have done that. But but no, it's just this beautiful relationship between these two people. And that sometimes relationships have to end. There's a season for relationships. Yep. Okay. What's your number My one? number one. Very simple thing. A single word. Believe. Oh, this is the very first episode. Ted setting up the it's the culmination of the episode. He is setting up his stuff. He knows nothing about football, about European football, about soccer. And he's but he knows how to be a coach and he's setting up the team. He's trying to endear himself with people. He writes on a big piece of poster board, yellow piece of poster board and blue pen. Believe tapes it above the door. 
gets it crooked. <laughs> and Keely tries to help him straighten it up. She tells him, and the it's wrong never thing. straight. Yeah, it's she tells. Never him, I love that she tells him exactly the opposite. She's like, oh yeah, to put it there, and then it pulls back, and it's very, very crooked. Um, <laughs> and he has it, and and they have people like slap it and and different things. And uh, um, there's one point where he's I can't remember he's he's arguing with someone. It may be Roy in his apartment, and. Uh, it's the, it really? I think it's, it's the coaches. It's the coaches. It's the coaches. And they're Nate. like, I just can't do it. And then he he runs out of the room and he's gone like longer than you think he should. And then he comes back in with an index card. It just says believe. And he hands it to him. He's like, what does this say? He says, did you just have that somewhere? He's like, I got them all over the house. <laughs> I got them. So I, the first thing I do when I wake up, the first thing I see when I leave the door. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. I might have believe written on my house somewhere just hanging on the wall because it's pretty good. There's a great moment, a great moment when Isaac, who becomes the is another player who becomes the uh, uh, the captain after Roy leaves, uh, which is also honorable his own mention thing. to him all around. The haircut, Isaac is great. The secret. All oh, the Santa. haircut scene. <laughs> <laughs> that is so great. But so they are they are about to like go out to this big thing, and they're all like putting their hands in the middle, and Isaac doesn't put his hand in the middle, and he just like quietly walks. You think he's going to walk away, and he walks over to the sign. Mm-hmm. The believe sign. He puts his hand on the sign, and then everybody slowly comes over, puts their hand on the sign. The yeah. believe, and I think that that, if you could, in a nutshell, try to explain what this what this show is about in one word, it is about that. It's not about belief, because belief is a thing, yep. uh, the way that we use it. It's about believe, believe in yourself, believe in each other, believe that we are not defined by today believe it's such a it's a positive word it's an active verb uh we've talked about this before but it's it comes into play that believe is in the bible it's this greek word pistis which is also faith it's the same word and it it's a verb it is not a noun it's not something that you have it's something that you do you cannot have belief you can only believe and in english we we turn belief into a noun and that makes it really complicated. So whenever the Bible is telling us to have faith or, or believe or have belief or something like that, it's always a verb, but we turn it into a noun and a noun is something that you can have enough of and then you're good. And you can't have of enough of believe. You just believe like you do it. It's, it's something that you do. And yep. this show is about believing, believing that even if you're not perfect, that you can be your best. Even if you don't know what you're doing, you can lean on each other to, to help each other through it. And that even if you aren't winning, you can still be better. Like that you could, that, that the goal of the game is not to win. The goal of the game is to become better at being a team. Yeah. And they, what, what is very clear about this show is that, uh, whether or not the team is winning, they're an excellent team. Yeah. And there's actually very little soccer in the the actual show. Uh, but you see them becoming a team in ways that are, that are just beautiful. There's a and great I, I scene in the first season. Trent Grimm of the Independent uh, <laughs> follows a, Ted around. News reporter. Yeah. Oh, he's a great character too. Uh, but he follows Ted around all day for a for a interview. And in the very first mean, kind of cynical, like he's trying to like he's there to write a an attack piece on Ted. Yeah. But follows him all day. Uh, in the very beginning of the episode, they're all in the office, and and uh, <clears throat> Ted kind of says in a throwaway fashion. Like, oh, I'm not too worried about the wins and losses. Uh, yeah. And the reporter was like, okay. And like writes that down as if it's some salacious thing. But then later in that episode, they're out to dinner and Ted's like, let me say it again in case you didn't hear me the first time. 
I don't care about the wins and losses. That's not what success is. Mm-hmm. And it was just this moment of like, oh, Ted's. I think that was the first moment I was like, oh, Ted's not an idiot. Mm-hmm. Like he, everybody yeah, he else thinks kind of portray, he, is. he is a little bit like an idiot. If you think maybe he's a rube, which again, that's the kind of the show sets itself up to be like, look at this bumpkin who doesn't know what he's in it. Fish out of water. Yeah. But it's not that at all. No. When he comes back with that, he's like, I don't care if we win or lose. I have a bigger definition of what success looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like, oh, okay. He's playing a much bigger game than anybody realizes yet. Uh, that's good. And you get to, I mean, like really every aspect of the show, whether it's Roy and Keeley's relationship, whether it's um, uh, Ted and his kind of post-divorce life, whether it's Beard trying to figure out who he is, like mm-hmm. uh, whether it's Jamie trying to figure out his identity if he's not just the golden boy. Um, Danny Rojas, I just want to say his name because we didn't say it. Uh, football is like... Uh, <laughs> Danny Rojas is so great. <laughs> uh, but the... But the uh, all of that is about believe it's about believing in forgiveness it's believing in redemption it's believing in uh that we can make this work if we communicate to each other that we can become better if we help each other see that we are more than our wins and losses uh like that jamie needs to be about more than his wins and losses that uh Ted is about more than his wins and losses, that his his kind of unfortunate relationship with his family, that he kind of is, is away from his kid all the time, uh, doesn't have to define him. And he can still be the best father he can be, but it still sucks. Like that's one of the things about divorce is that you just, you, you there's a lot of your life that you don't have access to anymore. And that just sucks. Um, but that, uh, uh, believing that that is not the end, that you can yeah. still, even in the constant, even in the circumstances that you're in, you can still be the best version of yourself. And to get to the kind of the elephant in the room that we danced around, um, this whole theme of belief and believing and believe uh, is put into all the different characters. And then you see a character who is the sweetest character in the show. Yeah. Uh, becomes corrupted by a need to be important and to, to be defined by his success rather than defined by the community. Yep. And that's Nate. And it culminates in the very last shot of the second season where he has uh, he has ripped up the Believe poster. And that's the end. Uh, and, and then he leaves. And he leaves because what he did, he came up with a plan that worked, but it worked because the team worked together and everyone kind of believed in what Nate was doing, but without him getting the credit. And he was afraid that if they lost, that he would get blamed. And so he wasn't seeing that whether we win or lose, we all win or lose as a team and that you're part of that team. Uh, And Nate took the very normal kind of sad, traditional uh, sin of pride and wanting to get credit for something that he deserved credit for, but in a, in a situation that, that isn't about one person, that it's about the team. And that sense of community is really to bring this all full pastor. That's yep. what the church is. That that we uh, we talked about this before. Like that there is no that the the emphasis on close personal relationship with Jesus Christ is not what this is about. Like yes, we should personally have a relationship with Jesus, but only that relationship should pull us into the context of community, yep. and that we are best fully understood. Our full self is understood, and God is more fully understood when we are together. 
that we are not called to do this thing by ourselves, that God is always with us and God is always uh, compelling us and pushing us together so that we can understand it here and forgive and redeem and accept forgiveness and be accountable and, and notice our flaws, but be received back in the community by people who believe in us and, and allow us to believe in ourselves. That's I, I, I just did. Um, it is what is classically stewardship season for pastors, like trying to get pledge cards and budgets put together and things like that and, and preached a, a stewardship sermon almost against my will. Uh, <laughs> I just didn't want to talk about it. Um, but at the end of it, I said, like, there are three things we need this year. Like, we obviously need money. We obviously need time. But the last one I, I lifted up is we need hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and not like in a, oh, things are desperate, we're not going to make it kind of like hope. But, like, the definition of hope that I've always run with is God is telling a story and we have a role to play in it. Mm. And as long mm. as you keep going, well, there's like still that. hope, like right? Like, um, so like it, it, you could have all the money in the world. You can have all the people giving time and talents and gifts and everything. But if you don't believe enough in the story that God is working out in your midst, you're done. Like you're just, you're done. Um, so that it was, it, it was interesting, but I don't know. I haven't quite worked out how to put hope on a pledge card, um, but it was kind of neat to have that be a part of an idea of stewardship. Like, I need you to believe this story's going somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, uh, watch Ted Lasso. Yeah. Season three is coming out TBD, but it'll be yeah. the final season. Uh, it's worth getting Apple Plus for. Today, yes. I actually uh, re-upped, so I had a, a trial that I had gotten when I got a new computer. Um, and I and so it was like three months or something for free. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. And today I actually clicked the button to pay Worth for it. a full year Worth of it. Apple Plus. Yeah. If nothing else, just to watch Ted Lasso over and over again. But oh, I, so I think there's some other good shows on Apple Plus. I don't know. I haven't watched any of them. I hear For All Mankind is fantastic. I'd like uh, to watch that. I watched yeah. The Morning Show. Uh, I heard that was good. It, the first season was really good. I'm going through the second season now, and I'm kind of like, it's not everything you're talking about is not as important as you seem to think it is. So maybe yeah. chill out. Um, yeah, but we'll see. I'll give it a solid nice. shot. So, uh, for all of you out there, um, uh, know that, that we are, we are meant to, to do this thing together, mm. that we are better. None of us have to do it on our own, that that's the whole point of what Jesus is doing is that Jesus comes and, and does this with us, uh, that God wants to be with us, Emmanuel. And, uh, when we believe, uh, we're not just believing in God, we're believing in each other. Yeah. And, uh, and that's how it's meant to be. Yeah. It will never be as idealistic as Ted Lasso, but we could get closer. <laughs> we could get closer, you know? All right, so for all of, all of you on the Twitter machines, uh, I have two questions, the obvious layup and then a, mm-hmm. a more interesting one. The obvious layup is what we miss. Um, oh yeah, favorite moments of Ted Lasso. Yeah, because there are this show. there are a few thousand that we probably could have included oh, yeah. and didn't. Yep. Uh, didn't even really scratch Beard After Dark, which is a weird episode. That's just, it's, it's so kind of a weird. throwaway, uh, but it's also kind of fun. It's nice to have a secondary character have, like carry an episode. We didn't even talk it's about the three fans. We didn't talk about May. <laughs> yeah. We, <laughs> At the pub, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The dart scene, oh, there's a lot. So oh, that dart scene is so great. That dart oh. scene is so great. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. 
Uh, so that's what? one. But then yep. I'm going to throw a challenge out there to the universe. Uh, a friend of ours, a good listener of ours, was fishing around for ideas for what we could do with the pod. And his suggestion was to find people to bring onto the pod that know a lot about something that neither Tyler or I know anything about. Ooh, that's going to be hard because Jay knows a lot. I know everything. Uh, I don't know about Tyler, but I know everything. I don't know very much, but Jay knows (laughs) almost everything. Yeah, so if you... Especially about movies from the 90s. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know so much. And if you can't smell the irony coming out of your speakers right now, just keep rolling with us. But if you... This is why we call him JMDB. (laughs) But if you have a topic that you would like to discuss on this show that we know nothing about, hit us up. That'd be fun to to just dive into something unexpected. Jay, anything anything for you to plug this week? Well, no, I mean, I spent the whole last two weeks watching Ted Lasso, uh, so I I definitely highly recommend that. Finally. Yeah, Uh, it's about time. I got a couple things to plug. Please. Hopefully, future uh, future podcast um, entry. Although we're coming at it late, um, two things that we have not yet talked about, and they were more appropriate in October, but we kind of missed that boat. Uh, I would highly recommend from Netflix the show Squid Game mm-hmm. and the show I've Heard of this Midnight, Midnight Mass. Yeah, I started uh, Midnight Mass. I want to watch them that. both. Midnight Mass, especially, we kind of have to talk about. It is all about the church and faith and what that means in a very different way from Ted Lasso, but in a very explicit way. There's a a pastor gives a sermon in that, which is always my pet peeve in most of these shows is that the pastors are always really poorly written by people who don't understand faith. There's a sermon that is given that is so good a sermon. I almost started taking notes. Like it (laughs) it is really, really good. This is a person who understands faith in the Bible and what he's saying. It's an excellent sermon in the middle of this story that is not making fun of faith. It's not just like a pastor who's who's at the end of his... Now, there's a whole lot of other secrets that come out that, that kind of don't change things, but it's just the, the show is also of the horror genre, so there's some yeah. creepiness. It's not really horror per se, but it's definitely thrilling and, and shocking and suspenseful. Uh, but it deals with a lot of trauma and issues, and it's by the same guy who did The Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor, so it deals with a lot of that stuff where horror is a good mechanism to talk about some trauma that we don't really talk about so it's very very good deals with miracles and faith and all kinds of stuff like that highly recommend it hop to it Mm -hmm. well i have to pee so i'm jay hey and i'm tyler and this has been rubbing the pastor Pastor. i need to stop drinking like 35 ounces of coffee through these nice we did it everybody we'll see you uh we'll see you next time bye